Oh, hey, guys, it's time for the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour on the Robert Bell Show. First hour with our friend Jonathan Emord and uh, updates from the campaign trail as well as updates on freedom, liberty in general, as well as specifically how it impacts you here in America. For those of you who are in America with us where this show originates and around the world, those of you who love liberty will give you insight into uh, how it's lost and how we regain it. So that's coming up. Uh, we do have some uh, discussion of organic food a little bit later. This new uh, appeal, they call it, a, a spray layering of something that uh, is kind of nasty. And will organic agriculture adopt it? And how corrupt is that if they if they do? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at all these things. Screening for depression. Um, you know what? I just want to dive into the precious gift of liberty with uh, Jonathan Nemore in a moment. But also they censured, censured is the name of the word, the word, uh, Adam Schiff. And you'll watch in this clip as we have how the Dems are just, you know, gathering together as a mob, you know, praising Adam Schiff. Uh, it's just embarrassing. We got that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Please share the show. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. We'll look for you in the chat room and see you here right about, well, now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The A's are 213 and the nays are 209. With six answering present, the resolution adopted. Without objection, the motion to consider is relayed on the table. House will be in order. Will Representative Schiff present himself in the well? By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House is resolved that the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California, for misleading the American public And for, and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives, that Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. That Representative Adam Schiff will be censured with the public reading of this resolution by the Speaker. And that the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's falsehoods, misrepresentations, and abuse of sensitive information. Yeah, I wish that would rise to the, above the level of clear, what you'd call it from a, an image perspective, bipartisanship. They'll say, oh, it's just the Republicans doing their thing. And, uh, the, you know, we have a clip of Adam Schiff claiming what it is, always uh, related to Trump derangement syndrome. And, uh, you know, this guy has been lying. He's been smarmy. He's been just like, if you watch this guy, it's like way to rally Democrats for uh, integrity, swarming around him going shame, 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 not on him, but on the fact that he was 
uh, censured by a Republican-led Congress. Um, You know, look, if a Republican did what Adam Schiff did, I'd be saying the same thing about him. This is not about Republican-Democrat. This is about a disgusting uh, behavior that lacks any level of integrity, much less constitutional uh, uh, fealty at all. And uh, with that, for commentary and more, my good friend, Jonathan E. Moore, Sacred Fire of Liberty, cranking it up for the integrity that we lack elsewhere in in Congress and the Senate that he will bring to the United States Senate when he's elected in Virginia. Jonathan. Well, um, I can't think of a politician with the possible exception of Joe Biden. Well, I would say with the real exception of Joe Biden, who has been more duplicitous and intentionally deceitful um, in his in in virtually everything he has said against Donald Trump than Adam Schiff. Um, Adam Schiff lied from the very start all the way through uh, when he would go into the skiff and allege that come out and then he would say that there was uh, proof positive they, they possessed evidence direct evidence of Donald Trump colluding with the Russians to interfere with the uh, presidential election um, that was utterly false and was said over and over and over again by Schiff mm-hmm. and um, he misrepresented what took place in that skiff when they did the uh, examinations of parties it was not uh, open to the public he lied about the content of that he um attempted to engineer means by which he would entrap uh, republican members of congress uh, intercepting uh, through some sort of surreptitious means their email correspondence um, and then trying to use that to um, cast dispersion upon them again falsely. So this man is reprehensible and um, has fallen beneath the basic levels of decency, honesty, and integrity that we uh, we must expect of those in public office. Now, uh, he's not alone, and that's the tragedy of our modern era, but he is richly deserving of century. He's richly deserving of more. He ought to be investigated to determine the extent to which he's engaged in any criminal activity and uh, and he should be pursued with vigor if he has been guilty of any criminal activity. It's hard to believe that uh, he did all of the things which he has done without transgressing one or more laws that uh, yeah. affect others' rights. But this is when we watch this, Super Don and I, and probably you two, you, you just can't help but be disgusted by what happens in Congress. Uh, and, you know, even though I agree with the Republican majority on censure and or more, it still comes across as uh, to the general public that knows not better as, oh, this is just an attack. It's all bipartisan. There's no basis or validity to it. Yet, if we go to Adam Schiff for an explanation as he appeared on one of the left leaning uh, news networks to respond, I think it was uh, uh, I, maybe it was CNN, but we'll play that clip real quick. To, to let you know that Trump derangement syndrome is alive and well is an ex- excuse for everything Democrats do. Whether you like Trump or hate Trump, that's irrelevant now when somebody doesn't acknowledge their role and responsibility in deceiving the public. Go ahead. We're joined now by Congressman Adam Schiff. Congressman, I appreciate you being with us. W- what's your response to this censure? 
Well, look, it's a badge of honor. As Roosevelt said in his time, sometimes you can judge a person by the enemies they make. Uh, and this was a MAGA resolution uh, that Donald Trump threatened if any Republican voted against, as many had last week, uh, that they would be uh, subject to a primary challenge. Uh, so this is basically Trump and MAGA world going after someone they think is effective and standing up to them. And uh, and so I feel like I've earned their opposition and uh, was proud to stand with all my Democratic colleagues uh, and oppose this this, uh, you know, flagrant abuse of the House process. I can't help but look at him and see a sociopath, Jonathan. And I'm not a psychiatrist making a diagnosis, but dude, the behavior fits. Well, yeah, he's, he's unrepentant, and um, it was likewise disgusting to see his colleagues surrounding him and screaming shame and so forth. They're, they are unwilling to accept the reality of his actions and unwilling to fairly and impartially allow justice to be imposed upon him. Um, it's, it's, it, we live in a, an environment of uh, partisanship, yes, but what those who surrounded Schiff are telling the American public is that they don't see any need whatsoever to um, defend integrity. They don't see any need whatsoever to take a person who's one of their own, chastise him or otherwise punish him for the overt falsehoods that he uh, made and misled. I mean, numerous people uh, who had key roles in this whole matter, not only misleading them, but he may have misled some who were among his colleagues who voted for impeachment. Um, He maintained this position without equivocation in dozens of interviews that he himself possessed direct evidence that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, that that evidence was independent he said, of the Steele dossier. In point of fact, he possessed no evidence. No evidence. And he was not just a uh, member of Congress passing by. He was the point man for the Democrats on this investigation. Hmm. So he is a propagandist and he is a liar. And that you would think with any rational, honest, decent human being would lead them to say, even if they strangely like the man, I find him really repulsive. And and it's saying a lot because I I, I get along with a lot of people. You know, the the, the litmus I draw or the line that I draw is, you know, just, you know, overt, blatant dishonesty, uh, uh, a lack of any concern for the truth. And of course, people that are sociopaths uh, that, can can do these things without conscience as you point out there's no contrition there's no acknowledgement of any wrongdoing even though he's been caught dead to rights in deceiving the american people and even maybe people in his own party as you point well, out point. but remember it's not only that he lied but it's that he lied on a matter that was so material that his lies actually contributed to the expenditure of federal resources yeah investigations that went on through virtually the entire four years of the Trump presidency that were illegitimate, that it actually caused a, a de- effective obstruction of justice by care- having a cloud over the president's head and that of his aides 
causing several of his aides to be drummed out of office and to be themselves investigated and prosecuted, uh, some of whom, like, you know, Papadopoulos, who had no, uh, there was no evidence whatsoever to support the, uh, the actions taken. And, and yet you have now expenditures on their part of millions. So you had tens of millions of dollars likely expended in federal funds. And you had millions to, uh, by people who are innocent who had to defend themselves in their legal expenses. And this is as a result of, in, in, at least in principle uh, part for some of these actions, Adam Schiff's insistence that evidence existed and his promotion and encouragement doggedly of these investigations. So he tried, he was part of a movement to uh, institute a coup d'etat. He was part of a movement to do overthrow the presidency. Well, and they likely uh, impacted the uh, results of the, the 2020 election. That's so. Uh, much more so than what they claimed happened on January 6th, which apparently, you know, the more you look into it, the more you see it was instigated by uh, those who were FBI or FBI informants or something along those lines. Now, you've written an article called The Precious Gift of Liberty. We're heading in closer and closer to the Independence Day holiday uh, of July 4th, um, going back to 1776, of course, and all that preceded it led up to something that I think most Americans, unfortunately, I'd like to say not most Americans maybe, but I think we mostly do take for granted the freedom, the liberty that uh, we gained via the Declaration of Independence and then, a, and then a ratified constitution. In that time, there have been attempts and attacks almost from the moment it was ratified to undermine it. Uh, and our, we were warned by the founding fathers that that would be the case. And I, I do believe more than ever in my lifetime that the constitution hangs by that proverbial thread. And that, as you point out within two, three, four, I don't know how many, but it's getting close, really darn close. Uh, we could lose it all and break up and then have, you know, feudalism and in, in various different uh, uh, forms of government that, that emerge from it because the American people by and large don't have the depth of knowledge of history that our founders did to establish this, this constitution. And, and uh, you know, it, it greatly concerns me because it's not happening in a, in an honest, open debate or discussion. You know, as far as let's let's see what we want as far as the government. It's like done surreptitiously, illegally, unconstitutionally through lies, deception, etc. And you're running for the United States Senate because you you couldn't sit by and let this happen on your watch as well for your kids' sake. And I just want to relate some of the essences of the article you've just written that I hope everybody will read. It's linked up in the show notes today, of course. Well, um, as we enter into this season where we should be reflecting upon the great achievement that was the American independence from Britain, uh, a revolution unlike any other before or since, in that every revolution before and every revolution since has one way or another devolved into an assumption of power by those who were in the vanguard of the revolution uh, to the detriment of individual rights of the people. So they have either foisted upon the people an absolute monarchy or a uh, totalitarian type of regime, authoritarian regime, uh, or they have um, allowed democracy to run riot and so you have dictators arise um, and that has been the history of the world. 
As I point out in the article, many, many, many countries tried to replicate the American Revolution and failed. And as a result, we are uniquely in the history of the world, a country founded for the very purpose of protecting the rights of the governed with a constitution that is written that provides specific supreme law limitations on power, both because it only gave the federal government specific delegated powers, but also because it included an affirmative denial of power in each instance in which the government would act to take away rights. And so, as the founders said, as, a, as Alexander Hamilton said, the Constitution is truly very much a Bill of Rights, independent of the Bill of Rights. So it is a redundancy, in fact. And notice that the focus there, by making the Constitution an effective Bill of Rights and then adding a Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. reveals fundamentally that the Founding Fathers wanted the people to have power against the government and to be free and to have the government be their servant. This is a this is unprecedented in the history of the world and has not been replicated anywhere. And as a result, this is a very precious gift we've been given by the founding generation. And as the article further points out, the founding generation too is a miracle in the sense that Nowhere else has an accumulation of people, each with the degree of education in rights theory and in uh, the nature of governments ever existed. So you had intellectuals in liberty, in the study of liberty all the way back to the ancient times who were the founding fathers. And these people were also miraculously of like mind on every important question dealing with the uh, protection of rights such that they could agree on the Constitution, could agree on the Declaration of Independence, could agree on the Bill of Rights. Jonathan, how they got there wasn't just add water and it was a miracle magic thing. They actually engaged in what debate, discussion, argument, nuanced about the fundamentals they did have an agreement on. But man, they had to they had to really get in there. And it was messy and ugly and not always pleasant and kind and loving. And we're afraid to engage in those kinds of discussions anymore. That makes us vulnerable to the loss of the very thing they fought so hard to achieve for us, our, their posterity. Well, as Jefferson pointed out in his autobiography, they were cordial in their pr Whiggish principles. That is to say, they all agreed in that freedom, the outcome, that man must be free, that we have to have a government that is the servant of the people and the people have to be sovereign. They all agreed on that, but they disagreed as to the specifics of how you achieve that. Mm -hmm. One grand example is the difference between the federalist conceptions and the anti-federalist conceptions as it goes to the necessity of a bill of rights. James Madison, for example, was a federalist and he was of the view that the Constitution in and of itself was a Bill of Rights, effectively, because the federal government only had specific delegated powers and none other, and therefore had no independent power uh, given it to invade the people's liberties. There simply was no power to violate your freedom of speech or your freedom of religion. And so he, he agreed with what Hamilton said, and he agreed with what 
John Dickinson ar argued that the Constitution itself is a Bill of Rights. It, it protects your rights. We don't need to amend it. And they further argued that a, an amendment listing rights would never be complete because we have rights that are unarticulated in the listings that might be violated or presumed to be capable of violation. So they thought there was danger in adding a Bill of Rights. But it was Thomas Jefferson who said it could only have a salutary effect. And then, of course, there was the understanding developed that a Ninth and Tenth Amendment could be added that would make clear that rights were retained by the people that were not articulated in the Constitution. Likewise, state powers were retained and powers of the people without, uh, uh, you know, by making it clear that those were retained unless expressly delegated. So the Ninth and Tenth Amendments actually are reaffirmation of the limited delegation of powers in the Constitution. Now, all of this tells us that they were united in their love of liberty. So they had different means of achieving that outcome, and, and they were all concerned about preserving liberty in perpetuity for posterity, and what would do that, and what would, in the words of Je uh, Thomas Jefferson, bind men down by the chains of the Constitution. And it wasn't but a second until 1798 when the Alien Sedition Acts at the hand of one of the founders, uh, John Adams as president, uh, came about to gag, it creates seditious libel prosecution against uh, the, the Republicans for criticizing his administration and measures. And so you see, uh, it, take, it, it didn't take long before, uh, you know, as, as Jefferson had predicted, the tree of liberty might have to be bled every 14 years. I mean, you, you, you might have to have a revolution, he thought, every 14 years to, to retain liberty. But the reality is that the Constitution has fared fairly well until of late. And now we have a situation which is dire. We have a Constitution that is recognized more by the breaches of it than by the laws upholding it and the actions upholding it. And so, as you said, if we don't act within the next two to three years to reverse the course of this government and reestablish the primacy of the plain and intended meaning of the Constitution and uh, eliminate this resurgence of socialism and instead have a resurgence of capitalism and free enterprise and, and uh, freedom, we will see the greatest, what, what Lincoln referred to, the last best hope for freedom on earth extinguished. Mm. And then we will become like all of those other countries where the revolution that was meant to be for the rights of individuals ended up being nothing more than another revolution that caused those who were in the vanguard to assume power and then consume all rights unto themselves, giving virtually no rights to the people, enslaving the people through an all-powerful state. That's the direction Schumer wants us to go. That's the direction Kane wants us to go. And that's the direction Biden wants us to go. Now, Biden, unlike the other two, is not so obsessed with power as he is with corruption, as he is with ensuring his wealth and his family's wealth and creating a, a dynasty off of uh, illicit actions. I mean, he doesn't have any respect for the Constitution, so he violates it. But recognize, too, he has no respect for the rule of law because he's willing to break it with impunity with his whole family in order to enrich themselves at the expense of the American people. And those who are standing in defense of it 
are doing so not because they think uh, absolute corruption by the Bidens is something that's joyous that they should celebrate, but because it's through that kind of corruption that their own power is being enhanced. They censor the media and they get away with it. The media goes along with the censorship and then it becomes vir virtually a propaganda machine for the administration. And they get away with an open border policy. They want to destroy uh, a, our republic and replace it with a socialist dictatorship. What better way to do that than to allow a ongoing uh, in perpetuity assault on American citizens' rights to life, liberty, and property. And so, I mean, it goes on and on and on. We are under assault from all angles. Uh, the Constitution does not provide for a global government. It provides for a government of the United States. That presumes a border. If you do not protect a border that defines the United States, you do not have a United States. Correct. You don't require that the 15 million illegal aliens who came into this country renounce the citizenship of their own country and countries and loyalties to those countries. And indeed, even allow individuals who are agents of foreign powers to come into this country, you're turning over the United States to foreign powers. Mm -hmm. You are making citizens affect de facto citizens out of people who have not pledged allegiance to the United States, who have not uh, said that they uh, accept and will abide by the constitutions, constitution and laws of the United States. John, that's, that's horrendous. That yeah. is an outrage. And that means that spells disaster in perpetuity. That means that we may constantly be subjected to the dictates of the, the drug cartels, which are terrorist organizations. We may have to deal with that for not only our lifetimes, but maybe for generations and generations to come. And that's what that's what it means when you when you leave your borders open for four years. That's what comes of that. Or when your own regulatory state gets captured by drug cartels, perhaps of a different variety, but suffice it to say, damaging and injuring and killing millions and millions of Americans each year, yet under the color of legitimacy as the FDA approves that, which they do. So we see it coming from a number of different areas. And this is where I ask, where are the men and women of principle that, understand that history and that stand you know with it and this is the concern of course we have with the young people not having any idea of the real basis for the united states except a corrupt version that says it's all about slavery somehow the whole history the 1619 project things like that uh and you've written the book about the progressive era from the you know 19th century to today to help people understand the evolution or de-evolution but also to your point in a revolution traditionally and since our American Revolution, most every revolution results in not power for the people that, you know, the people rise up, but power for oligarchs of some kind, whether it be monarchies or other forms of an oligarchy. And in this case, we have the bureaucratic state, right? The regulatory state that rules us and empowers those puppets figures, right? Does Biden really run the country or is he told what to do by these interests? You know, this is the this is the thing that I, I really don't think that Joe Biden gives one whit what happens to the United States unless it adversely affects him personally. That appears so to be the case. Yeah. You know, he he obviously thinks that because he and his whole those whole family with Hunter Biden as a as an easy stooge to put out there. But 
he has sold out to foreign powers that are enemies of the United States for his own personal profit. Mm -hmm. I mean, we now have evidence that is percolating here that looks very clear to be a, a willing commitment by President, Vice President Biden to engage in a bribery scheme uh, with the Burisma matter. And that um, is, is probably just the tip of the iceberg in the ultimate evidence, because a man who is in his position as Vice President of the United States who is willing to accept a bribe from a foreign powers agent uh, in or, and in response to cause the firing there of Shokin, uh, the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma and Hunter Biden's involvement with Burisma, uh, is, you know, an extreme example of criminality. And yet, look, where is the independent prosecutor? There would have been one in a heartbeat with Trump if he were in the same situation. They they put it. They created an independent prosecutor against Trump when there wasn't any evidence whatsoever of actual uh, act, actual criminality on his part. And at the end of the day, after years and years and years and years of investigating, they found absolutely nothing with which to prosecute him for collusion uh, with the Russians. And and Durham just gave at length testimony, which really is an indictment, powerful indictment of uh, Hillary Clinton, of the Biden administration, of the of the Obama administration and of the wholly screwed up two-tiered system of justice that's operating at the Department of Justice, which is a wholly political enterprise at right. the top with Democrats who committed egregious crimes like Hillary Clinton not being prosecuted, and like Joe Biden not being prosecuted, and like Hunter Biden just being given a slap on the wrist. Um, and then you have someone like Donald Trump who they struggle and strive to come up with these contrived causes of action uh, in a desperate attempt to take him out of the political uh, race. And the, the reality is that that will not work. But the, the point is, this is a wretched corruption of the, our system of justice that makes us all tremble because once you see that justice depends on your political stripe rather than whether you committed an actual offense, then there is no rule of law anymore. Can then you imagine no tyranny. If, if, if it was the vice president of a Republican presidential administration that was charged with the crimes of Hunter Biden and they, they let him off with that slap, you know, wouldn't there be claims of, of white privilege at the very least, much less, again, the, the double tiers, two tiers of justice, et cetera? I mean, how many people have gone to jail for years? Wesley Snipes won uh, for similar um, circumstances or accusations. And, and yet... Uh, you know, is anybody in the Democrat Party who claims to be for the little guy pointing this out now? Well, no. That Hunter Biden is uh, there's direct evidence on his laptop of numerous crimes, numerous, not just once, not just twice, dozens of times, and they brought up two, uh, two instances of alleged tax evasion. And one instance, apparently, of uh, gun ownership denied, where he committed false statements, perjurious statements, under oath in filling out his registration for a firearm in denying that he had been uh, under the influence of a drug or had been convicted of such. So anyway, the point is, uh, I've seen people, I've, I've been in court awaiting the opportunity to present oral argument in which I've witnessed a prior case before me 
in which a person was found was alleged to have violated the false statements act based on his execution of a statement uh, that contained a false representation in it to the government. That's the e perfect equivalent to what Hunter Biden did. And I've watched them go to jail, come out with right, right at the hearing, the judge pronouncing sentence, sending them off to jail for the false statement and having the, uh, the authorities come out and handcuff the man and take him off to prison right then and there, not even allowing the person uh, the chance to say goodbye to family, spouse, and so on. There you have Hunter Biden in the same situation, and he doesn't even see a courthouse. He doesn't even see uh, a police car. He doesn't see any of that. You have these uh, uh, protesters who are exercising their right to protest against abortion, being treated like criminals by Merrick Garland, the FBI, and his DOJ. Remember, FBI is directly under DOJ and under the authority of the Attorney General. Mm -hmm. And he, he sent in SWAT teams with 25 people into somebody's house right in front of their kids and put them up against the wall for protesting, which is legal action, and subjected them to investigations in the hopes of finding anything to uh, form a basis for a prosecution. Here, staring you in the face are numerous felonies committed by Hunter Biden that are on the laptop that is undeniably his, mm. that they ignore. Not only that, there are numerous crimes associated with what Hillary Clinton did, and yet they ignore it completely. Well, yeah, the, the cheerleading of criminality uh, it, is something I would love to say that Republicans are beyond, but many times, again, it falls into partisanship because they're not men or women of principle, and I'm not saying every time, but look at the Democrat Party has become a basically criminal enterprise with very rare exception, right? And, you know, we've talked about the man running for president as a Democrat who is far so unlike any modern Democrat. It's just ridiculous. He actually even talks in favor of capitalism and freedom. When have you heard a Democrat say anything like that in terms of Bobby Kennedy? He's up at the uh, libertarian meeting there at uh, the Porcupine Festival in New Hampshire right now. Uh, and the Dems said, don't go, don't go, because these are extremists. These are domestic terrorists. And he's like, you know, comes back and says, no, you Democrats are trying to censor different views rather to engage. It's like, it's so far beyond it. Now let's look at an issue that crosses both parties and what you would do in the United States Senate to maybe curtail this. If it's possible at this point, since they uh, voted to raise the debt ceiling again, the national debt has hit a record 32 trillion only two weeks later. And yes, Republicans are party to this. Although as we know, the Democrats do not want to see any limit or restriction on spending, but it is a bipartisan problem. And it's a problem that could uh, wipe out the ability of this country to survive because it cannot live in perpetual debt. The ability to print money out of thin air has allowed this to happen for generations now, but how long can it go before, as we see the world starting to reject the federal reserve note, uh, petrodollar, uh, and uh, what would that mean for the United States as the world reserve currency it has had? $32 trillion in debt, that figure to increase now, and we're going to see by the end of the year, perhaps $33 trillion, um, is absolutely unsustainable, a ruinous albatross around the necks of every American citizen and every child born in this country and every future child born in this country, and it will take us down. It, what it means is that 
increasingly the American dollar is becoming uh, worth less, but also the global value of, of uh, the currency of China is increasing by comparison and we are indebted to China, which is primarily financing our debt. This is ruinous. This hurts our national security. It hurts our ability to survive economically. It is a threat to our existence. So what do you do? What the Republicans have been doing historically in the recent uh, era is just saying when it comes up, okay, we'll accept an increase in the national debt. We'll carry on for another six months or so, and then we'll look at it then. They never do look at it. They never do introduce the legislation to cut the spending. It's high time we introduced, we took the affirmative high ground and started introducing legislation to abolish the Department of Energy, to abolish the Department of Education, to abolish the Federal Trade Commission, to get rid of the Department of Commerce, to go down the line and reduce the size and scope of government and government programs, and to innovatively encourage actions through tax policy that will reduce taxation to replace the public sector assumption of power. We live in a world of third best. We never should have undertaken these massive programs. And now that people are addicted to those programs, we cannot take, for example, social security away from people who have been promised social security by the government and we can't take it away from them. The government can't be in the business of breaking its promises to the average citizen, but what it can do intelligently is create a new system atop it, which enables people to keep more of their own money and to invest that money and, and to expand the 401k plans and to expand the Roth IRA substantially so that every dollar you put into that, you don't have to pay in taxation. Furthermore, to increase the amount of money available to help people who are indigent or who will become indigent because of medical expenses, what we ought to be doing is not government paid health insurance where government determines what your health insurance is, but instead, giving tax incentives to the providers of medical services. So that if I'm a doctor or I'm a hospital or I'm a medical uh, organization and I can supply materials and assistance and care to the indigent, I should be receiving more than a dollar of tax uh, reduction for every dollar I expend to help those that need it. And that creates a private sector environment in which hospitals, doctors, individuals are able to say to patients, prospective patients who are in need and emergency care and so on, I will gladly supply the assistance that you need despite your uh, inability to pay because I will receive a substantial reduction yeah, in the moment I have to pay the government. Yeah, and why do we do this? We do this because the government is an abysmal failure. The planned economy, socialist medicine does not work. It doesn't get you the best care. But if we return the incentives to the individual mm -hmm. for service to the individual, then the individual calls the shots and the doctors and patients serve them as best they can rather than serving the Medicare carriers uh, and uh, the government, the federal government's demands. Jonathan, wouldn't we have to also uncouple what we call health care? from the pharmaceutical monopoly construct. 
In other words, to allow innovation to occur in a free market of ideas where homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists and everybody works together to end result something at a fraction of the cost. We want to break down all barriers to the provision of care to people so that they can choose what care they want and get. We have to break uh, this ridiculous mentality that is this paternalism by the FDA that I've confronted for the last 38 years Mm -hmm. and by the CDC and by the whole public health establishment that they can determine in mass collectively uh, what is in the interest, the health interest of the American people. But in point of fact, health interests are unique to each person. And that's why we need individualized care. And if we shackle doctors into a community-based conception of care saying this constitutes the reasonable standard of care because we the government are allocating the resources we the government are on who owns them and directs them to do so never have an innovative society in which each patient receives the best possible care instead we can do this much much better by freeing people and by freeing innovators and by freeing patients so that they can choose what's in their own best interest, what is in the, in the best interest of their pay of their their family members, without interference from the government, Let me without take, interference from the medical boards. Let me take a moment to to direct my attention to you, everybody out there listening now. Many of you are fan supporters of Jonathan E. Mord running for the United States Senate. Those of you who are new, I want you to hear this right now, because of all the candidates running for any political office at any level. Very few have the deep understanding and knowledge and experience and history and track record of taking on the government when it comes to violations of your fundamental liberty, individual liberty, to, you know, choose the care that you want, as we say. Now, that also means the providers have to be able to be free to deliver various different kinds of care that are not permitted at all. In fact, are, are, are squashed out of any market. So when they say we have a free market system, a capitalistic system in medicine, we do not. We have a managed and controlled economy when it comes to health care. And it's not health care. There's not a lot of health in it. There's not a lot of care in it. And Jonathan E. Mord has a track record unique to anybody running, and certainly at the level to, to become a U.S. senator, to bring in not only a constitutional basis of knowledge for what we speak of, but also the history and knowledge of where we've gone wrong in terms of adopting one form over all others to allow and recognize and acknowledge there are many paths to health and healing. Many of them that are acknowledged, if you will, or stamped as approved by government are the opposite of what many Americans, millions in fact, have been wanting to do for years. They've been wanting to move a different direction. And part of what happened in 2010, uh, Jonathan, was 100 years after the Flexner Report of 1910 set the stage to primarily what would he call mandate participation in a system of insurance that covers only that which millions of Americans had woken up to realize was not helping them to get well, including myself. And so the idea that government could centralize and make better a system that was already corrupted from the word go because it was a monopoly, not a creative endeavor in freedom is something, as I say, you have unique knowledge of and an ability to go into the U.S. Senate and communicate to your so-called peers, not that they're actually peers, but you know what I'm saying, in the Senate to say, look, it's not only about this Constitution thing that you guys seem to ignore, but let's look at the practicalities of how we solve the issue of health care, a crisis in America, so to speak, artificially induced by centralized government planning and bureaucracies. Yeah, we are at the 11th hour, and 
I have a legislative agenda that is specifically designed to save us, save our state, save us. Health freedom is is tantamount in there as as well. Essential and achieving the objectives that we have to do so with specific legislation is critical. But I'll tell you, Ronald Reagan set the pattern for how you can best marshal the American people behind legislation that is necessary. I watched that. I worked as a little intern with Charles Z. Wick, who was the communications guru from the Reagan cabinet, kitchen cabinet in uh, California that he brought out to Washington, D.C. and to help promote the Economic Recovery Tax Act. And I'll never forget the model that they were instituting and how brilliant it was. They understood from the get-go that they would not succeed in getting the Economic Recovery Tax Act passed unless they got the American people directly involved in lobbying their members of Congress and doing so in large numbers. So they created a national campaign to promote the Economic Recovery Tax Act, explaining when it was coming up for a vote, explaining the necessity for getting in your correspondence by a certain date, explaining what the Tax Act would do to help American people, leapfrogging past the press and getting the information into individual hands, communicating that by mail in those days, but we could do this very effectively by email. The whole point is, and by texts, the whole point is that's the kind of campaign that I'm going to wage for the legislation that I introduce. I'm going to have the American people work with me to get the legislation passed so that their members feel the heat because there are two ways of of going about this that need to be done at the same time. One is to convince the members with reason, persuasion, logic, and so forth. But the other is to let them understand that their constituents know what's up and that their constituents will hold them to account. And that's how you maximize the chance for passage of the legislation. So regardless of whether it is a Senate comprised of a Republican majority or not, I will use this measure, this this method. And I'm I'm dead serious. I want to save the United States. I don't want to be in Congress. I do want to save the United States and being in Congress as a United States Senator is the, is the necessary way for me to achieve it. So this is, this is America's agenda to restore the constitution and protect their rights and liberties as parents, as workers, as employees of companies, as people who are patients, all of this, We need to be free and determine what's in our own best interest. Reagan said it well, that government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. Reagan also said it well when he said that the nine most terrifying words in the English language are that I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Exactly. Uh, that, That has always been the case. I mean, the founding fathers could have said the same thing. Thomas Jefferson referred to those in government as parasites living off the public trough. He, he despised the growth of government then when we're talking about 12 or 13 unnecessary appendages to the executive branch when he was president, and that means people. Uh, he thought that was a gross abuse of the public trust, that we're having people becoming parasites, never greater numbers. Um, this, now we have, of course, entire executive agencies and hundreds of them and departments. So we have to get back to a government that is of limited powers and lives within 
the bounds of the Constitution. If we do that, we will have massive wealth, massive prosperity, massive e upward economic opportunity, and protection for our rights. We will be the ha as the happiest people on earth because we will be the envy of the world as the freest people on earth. Instead, we're going in the direction that the rest of the world has gone in, where people are miserable, where they do not have money because it's taken by government or regulated away from them such that they can't engage in enterprise sufficient to uh, make money, and where the entire state implodes upon itself because its own services and promises of services cannot be fulfilled. This is California, that California presages the future of the United States oh, under Biden. But it's you California. California is a cesspool. Oh, it's horrible. Beautiful it place on earth. California is an absolute dire economic disaster and cesspool of drugs, of homelessness, quote unquote. They're actually government induced homelessness because they're prop they're making it uh, when you go in and you give meals to people who live in a tent that you gave them and you give them medical care and you give them free drugs and you you invite them to do whatever they want with no limitation from police, you end up creating a massive ever-growing cancer on your uh, uh, country, your state. So what, what he's doing, what Newsom is doing in California is creating a cancer that the government is feeding that is eating away the vital organs of California. As a consequence, those who have not yet uh, been victimized by that cancer, but see it coming, are leaving in droves. Does Newsom care? No, why? Because the Republicans and the people with wealth who wanna protect it are leaving behind those who are dependents and the dependents vote for the government that gives them the services that is promised. The big lie at the end is that somewhere after Newsom leaves office or maybe at the end of his term, the, the services start disappearing because there is no more tax base to pay them. And the debt load of the state then causes it to become effectively insolvent. Yeah. His credit rating begins to drop precipitously and so on. That's where he's driving California. Right. And, and I want to say for anybody that thinks the Democrats are compassionate because they do all these things for poor people, they're breeding dependents and then pulling the rug out from under them. Does, it's absolutely the worst thing you can do to help people in need. Uh, to pretend that they have a perpetual line of support so they don't have to do anything at all, and then one day find out that that can't be sustained, and then what? Uh, it's cruel and unusual. For those of you, again, who want to restore that personal responsibility or the acknowledgement that that's where freedom begins and ends, and those that are in need of help, those who are successful often by their own accord, through their own, uh, let's say, hopefully better upbringing, say, you know what, I want to help people in need. And that's what we call charity. Not by the force of a gun, not by deception, but many of you have done that, have engaged in charitable acts in your lifetime. To think that no one would do it is, uh, you know, an absurd Democrat uh, delusion. And I'm not saying, they, they again, I'm not trying to be partisan here. I'm just acknowledging what we're saying about the particular states that have been owned and controlled. New York has problems as well as its governor is trying to uh, uh, provide for quarantining anybody 
who she disagrees with on any front. And again, I don't have time to go into that story. We've covered it a little bit, even with the attorney that won in court that the, the state is appealing. I want to encourage everybody to go to emord4va.com, E-M-O-R-D-F-O-R-V-A, emord4virginia.com. And particularly check out the upcoming events. Jonathan, you have an event uh, later today at, at Culpeper County GOP information. Uh, yeah. coming right. I'll tell you, um, and then we have our rally to save America in Newport News, Virginia on the, what is it, the 27th of June, yeah. next Tuesday. And that's going to be fantastic. Everybody should, if you're in that area or can be, you should come to it. Uh, we've had several of these rallies. I believe we've now had a total of four of them, maybe not, maybe three. Mm -hmm. uh, but every one of these rallies, as you know, Robert, from attending them is dynamic and it is fascinating. And it's also a great entertainment uh, venue because we have, again, we have Tamika who's coming in singing. She's nice. a world-renowned gospel music singer. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And you, you heard it yourself, Robert. So, mm -hmm. and we're also bringing in other entertainment for this one as well. And it's all patriotic. It's all uplifting. And then I give my speech on how to save the constitution, save America and save Virginia. And, uh, and people leave with, with, a book bag full of our, my publications and also um, little goodies in there of various kinds. So it's all good. It's all part of our Save America, Save Virginia campaign, and it is very successful. That straw poll in uh, Loudoun County on June 2nd yes. was a resounding victory for us. We won by a massive margin. And the reason is that people are awakening to the reality that if we don't act now, it's all up. If you love liberty, You've got to fight for it, and now is the time to fight for it, and the means by which we can fight for it is our campaign. We are going to save the United States. We're going to save Virginia. We're going to save America, and this is a, this is a wholehearted campaign. We are doing everything we possibly can to unite patriots behind our standard so that together we can achieve this objective, and I am confident. And I'm increasingly confident after all of the events that we've had. We've gone to dozens of these now, Robert. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, everywhere we go, there are very strong, there's very strong support. Most frequently, as in 90% of the time, it's almost every single person attending, uh, joining in and supporting our campaign. And that that's why we have such enormous results. That's why in that straw poll, uh, when, you know, the people of Loudoun County, that's the biggest, one of the most populous counties in Virginia, uh, we won with 61% of the vote and the very next candidate down only had 17% and everybody else, there are eight candidates. That had to put the GOP establishment in Virginia on notice that you're not fooling around. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't fooling around, Robert. And you know that, mm -hmm. you know, that this is something that I do reluctantly in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I'm all in and I am going to win this. And and the, the, the man of the hour is not going to be Tim Kaine anymore because his socialism is not the future for America. And we're going to kick him out and we're going to put somebody in there who actually follows in the footsteps of the founding fathers, who believes in all those Virginians, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison and uh, George Washington that this country must be a country of freedom and that we've got to get government out of the way. 
you know, Jefferson said, I am not a friend of a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. And he was right then and he's right now. And it's just, the, it's so sad, isn't it? That the truth of freedom, which, is, which ultimately gets into every ear, particularly the ears of those who have lost it, um, is a truth that for whatever reason, people in their lives will sometimes come to the conclusion, I will give up my freedom because I've been promised something of value. We have Democrats who all they do is promise and never fulfill. And, and all they do is say that everybody's getting better when virtually no one is. And they say that based on what? Your money and their power and their freedom at the expense of yours. Does that make sense to you? I mean, does it make sense to you that if you give your money to a amorphous government away from you and you give up your freedom to that government, that somehow your life is going to be better when you are not even registering on their minds at all. They couldn't even say your name. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. Till we come to that realization, I mean, look, when, when, when 75% of money allocated for a government program ends up going for the bureaucracy that supports the program and 25% ultimately gets to some people, which represents a small minority of those who are said to suffer the problem. The most inefficient thing in the world to solve a problem is to have government do it. Yeah. Think of, you wouldn't give your money to a pr- private charity that you found 25%, if not less, goes actually to help those that you think you're helping with through that charity. It, wh- government, 75% waste, that could be an understatement. Yeah, and not only that, then you have, once the money's there, then, oh, uh, no, I want to use it for something. We'll use it for something else, yeah. Jonathan, so I, I sold you on the idea to give up your money and your freedom. I got the money, and now I'm going to use it for something else. Mm-hmm. That's the history of government, too. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, again, another great episode of the Sacred Fire of Liberty with you, my friend. Check out emordforva.com. Check out the upcoming events and, and uh, be there for any or all of them and support them no matter where you are because having Jonathan Emord in the U.S. Senate is going to impact freedom everywhere in America, not just in Virginia, but we certainly appreciate all those in Virginia uh, supporting your efforts to become the next U.S. Senator to displace Tim Kaine and send him packing, uh, which will be all of our benefits. So thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate you very much. Yes, caning of Kane. Let him go. <laughs> Let's get Jonathan in, in, in there. All right, Jonathan, we'll uh, see you next week. If not, before we'll be talking, of course, with everything that's going on. I appreciate you, especially as we get close to our, our favorite holiday. Of course, so disappointed in most Americans that don't realize, realize how special that, that acknowledgement recognition of um, July 4th, 1776, and why we on, uh, celebrate every year. Um, my daughter's in the Cries of Freedom patriotic uh, musical presentation this year again and uh, we just uh, tears come to my eyes when I think about how significant that that moment was in history and is today and uh, if we can do anything to defend it and restore it uh, we're here for that yes sir Robert thanks so much buddy all right Jonathan E. Ward on a mission from God 
And thank you for that. Thank you all for being here. Please share the show. We got a whole other hour broadcast healing, health, freedom, healing, liberty on tap here at robertscottbell.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Super Don will send out some uh, updates and uh, we've got a bunch of upcoming events I'll let you know about as well after this because the power to heal is still yours. All right. It's the first official day of summer in the Northern Hemisphere after the solstice yesterday. I don't know if any of you went out and watched the sunset or caught the early sunrise at the longest day of the year. Uh, I always try to make that a a tradition. I try to do that on the longest day and the shortest day uh, just to kind of, I don't know what's significant about it. I'm I'm not so mystical on these things, but I do appreciate the, the transformation and change in the seasons, the return of the light. We've hit the longest day and now it's all downhill from here in terms of shorter daylight. Yet uh, down south, down under, they are now starting their winter. Uh, acknowledge that. There's the uh, the picture I took last night as the sun was going down. The last little wisp of sunlight, uh, direct sunlight, if you will, as the sun uh, went down over the horizon uh, as well. And I don't know, Superdome, were you up late enough to see it? Because you're up a little further north than I am, so your your daylight lasts not only a little bit a little bit longer because you're in a different time zone. But I was I was exhausted last night, so the last thing I was going to do was go outside and try and see if I could find a sunset. And I can't, I dude, I don't have the type of the view uh, view that you have yeah. here. This is yeah. like we have a gorgeous view out back. This is a the- crazy picture. This is great. You should frame this. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I got a bunch more, but I, I thought that was the, the one I wanted to show because that was the last wisp before it disappeared over the horizon last That's night. Pretty, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, I got, I got to check in with Jamie Dorley. You know, I've been on this super creatine stuff he sent me. You know, we talked about it last week. <laughs> yes. Why do you need to check in with him about it? You because have a problem with how, it? Or? How fast do you, are you supposed to gain muscle on this? I mean, my baseline when I'm at my lowest, you know, like after fasting is even up higher than I'm normal as far as the weight and, and the highest, I'm just like hitting levels where I didn't think was possible. What are you taking with it? What am I taking with it? Yeah. What are you, no, what, are you mean, mix, what are you mixing it in? Water. Just plain water. Yeah. Just like I do my cardio miracle. Yeah. So, but I'm telling you, dude, it's fast. What's going on here. I'm just like, well, man, from what I remember about the creatine, yeah, uh, and I I don't know I don't know all the sciencey gobbledygook about it, but yeah, uh, what it does is it drives it drives water into the muscle cells, mm. so you're going to get a fuller look, right? Your 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 at least I know with the experience that I had, it was like you get done with a workout after after using this stuff, mm-hmm. and and your your muscles are like, yeah, you know, like like tight. But for uh, me, I just I just kind of monitor my weight, just kind of see. Uh, well, you, you're uh, retaining water in the muscle yeah. cells, is what you're fl- doing. But the fluctuation, I know I can fluctuate three to five pounds in water weight in a day, mm-hmm. just in, in a normal. This cycle. is going to hang on to it, and the idea yeah. is is that it's it's you know it's it's pushing the water, and along with the water is going to be going, you know, the nutrients that are going to help repair, yeah, you know, the, the muscle fibers. Yeah. Um, but so. of course, you know that was that was more with a weightlifting thing. You're doing more of a cardio thing. Yeah, but I'm doing, I'm doing a little bit of weights in the midst of it. We had some dumbbells. Yeah, dude, d- go big or go home, man. <laughs> well, a little bit of weights. 
Oh, look, know. look, I picked up this pen. I'm doing curls with this pen. Dude, you know, what I've are you doing? A I'm, little bit of weight. I'm Come on, man. With... You say you want to put on some size and put yeah. on some weight. I'm not saying go out there and try and be Lou Ferrigno or something, but you know, come on, man. You know, get yourself into a you know at least uh, a, I mean, a moderate weightlifting. I'm program. doing like part of the program. You know, I'll go on one of the rounds, or I'll come back in the second round through, and I'll I'll do some like dumbbell uh, curls with 25 pounds or high reps kind of stuff. So I'm getting something going on. Yeah, you know, it's not like nothing, but yeah, I, 25 not, pounds, huh? Now the yeah. kind of shape you're in, I'm thinking you could be doing more than 25. Well, how I many could, how I'm many more, how many reps more. are you doing on 25 pounds? I'm usually doing 12 each each arm, then coming yeah. back to that 12 and 12. Yeah, you so, need to find out what your max is, and then you need. Yeah, to. I don't know that. I, I so I'm working with lower weights, higher rep. That's just what I <clears> I'm used to doing that because lower weights, higher rep is not going to build size. No, well, it's not. But, but here, it, it, I'm not weighing it. Let, let me just say this: my litmus is not so much. The look, because I'm not going for bodybuilding. Nobody but said like, look, but you I said you wait. wanted to put on weight. Wait, right. So I'm measuring that, and it's working. I'm just saying. It's working. Apparently, it's working. Muscle, you know, muscle weight. I haven't gotten the analysis on body fat, although I'm pretty low. Last time I checked, it was like 12.9%. That's um, good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've stopped having periods, though. It's too low. I think it's oh, much man. too low. man. Yeah, I know. No more periods for you. Are you in menopause or something? Manopause, yeah. Manopause? Manopause. <sighs> All right. Well, there's a, a little distraction for you as we uh, of it all was it Robert Scott Bell show. <laughs> uh, what are you guys talking about? Well, anything we want to technically another great sacred fire of Liberty edition uh, with Jonathan E. Mord uh, just uh, heading out to uh, Denver slash Loveland on uh, after the show tomorrow. So we're going to start the show. Mark your calendars. If you want to catch it live, we're going to start the show an hour early. So I have time to you know pack up and get out to the airport and stuff. And uh, maybe, just maybe, we'll still have Michael Bolden on in the second hour. And we're working on the first hour, having a Trinity focus, Trinity School of Natural Health focus, like I like to do with their graduates. If you goes, guys go to trinityschool.org, and you can sign up for their coursework, as well as look forward to the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. And if you are an active student or a graduate, or let's say you're a healthcare provider of any kind, you could be a doctor, a nurse, a massage therapist, Chiropractic doesn't matter. You can attend the Trinity Live event, which is two days prior to the Trinity Health Freedom Expo uh, at Tinley Park outside of Chicago. So uh, I think it's 12, 13, 14, 15th, if I'm not mistaken. But it's basically a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, for the all of the inclusive events. Although most people will just come for the Health Freedom Expo. But if you want continuing education, you've got that as an option as well, which is really cool. Uh, if you want to try this stuff, I'm trying the super creatine, which is again, a form that has all kinds of other things in it to address some of the reasons why I would never take creatine before, um, go to, uh, nutritionalfrontiers.com and use the code RSB 15 to get that 15% discount as well. And, uh, thank, thanks as well to, to Bobbery Oren, Bobbery from, uh, Folium PX who's supporting us, supporting my mom, supporting G Edward Griffin. And being strong and well for the next Red Pill Expo, which will be in August in Des Moines, Iowa. So that's some of the upcoming events we have, among others. That uh, oh man, there's some some great stuff. I'm going to add another one to the list. I just got a call from Susie Griswold in in the Atlanta area. Clark Griswold? Uh, what? No, not Clark. Susie Griswold. Susie is that his daughter? <laughs> from Healing Strong. Oh. And uh, many years ago, Ty and I did uh, their event in Atlanta. 
And that was the, the famous one where we, we went to CNN and, and I asked them on the tour, is this where they fake the, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the stuff with the nine uh, eleven. Well, the the whole thing in um, uh, Iraq, right? They were weapons like, of mass destruction. They were clearly on a sound stage. You know, remember that the Scud Stud or whatever that guy's name was. All right. that stuff that was happening. And then uh, let's see, we got into the Braves game for free. We told that story. All kinds of adventures there. But uh, suffice it to say, Healing Strong is an amazing organization helping people overcome cancer. And they're going to have their event, I think, the week after uh, the event we're doing in Las Vegas. So we have the Las Vegas event, Biomed Expo, September 14th through 17th. And then the next week we'll be in Houston, Texas. I've been invited to speak at that event for Healing Strong. So that will be added to the upcoming events list. So y'all stay in touch. It keeps growing. And remember the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Convention that's Labor Day weekend, September 2nd through 6th in Glendale, California, Glendale Hilton Hotel. And guess what? Bobbery will be there supporting that. Uh, I believe that, uh, well, I, I want to talk about that some more because there, that's 48 years running, dude. That's impressive. And there's way more than I have time to talk about here. But uh, just one more mention, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks to Drs. Terry and Stu Warner. Uh, there's going to be an extraordinary event there. So if you can make it to the Phoenix Scottsdale area and that early November event, our friend Tracy Slepsevic, Warrior Mom will be there and many others. Uh, so what else is on tap this hour, Super D? I, I feel like I, I can do whatever we want. Yeah, uh, we want well, that's that's kind of how these hours go sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been following this, this story of the missing submersible uh submarine thing I, I know about it a little bit it didn't sound anything that was positive or good could come out of this i don't uh think- unfortunately while we've been on the air here they yeah. discovered a debris field mm-hmm. and it turns out that the submersible uh suffered some kind of catastrophic implosion. pressure implosion yeah, yeah. um and they're that. they're they're speculating it happened at, on sunday when they lost contact yeah originally uh, they, and so. it was like a private tourism thing to go down to see the 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 titanic right yeah yeah twelve thousand feet yeah that's a long way down there so unfortunately i know over the last few days it's been almost like a like a script to a a thriller movie right. or something because not you know, a happy there was ending here for 96 hours of oxygen left searching for it you know and stuff and it unfortunately yeah, it looks like what those, i had heard is that if they had uh, uh something that happened they could have release the ballast or something along the lines and, and resurface right what away. they were yeah. saying was there were there were uh systems on yeah. the submersible that you know in case something happened that there it, other things should have happened yeah but nothing had happened so they were speculating early on that it was, it was just a catastrophic failure of systems right but uh, it was bigger than that it was just a catastrophic failure of the pressure chamber yeah, so sorry for all those that were affected and the families, etc. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting going back to the history of the Titanic and its sinking. Do you know the story of three of the key people on there that were opposed to the uh, the, the the Federal Reserve system being set up in America prior to the nineteen thirteen Federal Reserve Act? No, you don't know that story historically. I do not know that story. So th- this gets into the fact that everything old is new, and no- there's nothing new under the sun, Horatio. That when we talk about, for instance controversies about weapons of mass destruction or um 9-11 being oh yes uh, uh, uh islamic terrorist uh, plotted in secret to run build you know the buildings down and they would fall of their own way you know all of that that you go oh that's just not very plausible not very believable and then they say well those are just 
that if you don't believe the official story, you're a conspiracy theorist, therefore we'll dismiss you. Well, back in the day, the history is very, very profound in that regard. There were three of the wealthiest uh, folks on the planet uh, that did oppose a central bank like the Federal Reserve from starting in America at that time. And uh, the the arguments that some would say conspiracy theorists would say that they had to be removed as obstacles. And they so, were so what that. you're suggesting is that there are some people that believe that mm-hmm. The Titanic did not mistakenly uh, run into a uh, iceberg by accident and sink. That it was because there were three individuals on that ship that were yeah. wealthy and influential and that were opposed to the to the Fed, yeah, uh, and that crazy. they were eliminated by sinking the ship, uh, right? With, that well, they were on, and you look at the stakes involved there, and and you say, well, why would they kill everybody? Well, as I said. The people at that level of control of the planet don't care about individuals. And many times they don't even care about their own family members. So you have to at least step back from the plausibility to implausibility. Say, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. So they would never do that. Right. I don't know definitively, but I will say coincidences after coincidences after coincidences. At some point you go. So was it was it the was it the captain of the uh, the ship that purposely drove into the iceberg or did they have a doctor evil guy that threw the uh, floated the iceberg into the ship? Right. So these are questions I don't have answers for. Super. Or was it aliens? And it's a long time ago, but I just want to relate (laughs) that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I think it. I don't believe it, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's interesting. Which do you not believe? that they sunk the Titanic because of these three guys on there. Why would you go to all the trouble of waiting till you get on a, on a, on a cruise ship and take out how many people died? I don't know. I don't know what the number is. And I was like, yeah. you know, when it would be so easy just to shoot them in the head or something or poison them or something. Why would you go to all the trouble of doing it on a ship? Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make sense to me. The wrong questions because it makes sense to those that do these things. So there's not I questions know, tying it back in directly. Because it becomes obvious if three Bigfoot people makes sense to some people. Twelve hundred so. people die, and there are, th- there are only three of them. Uh, Dude, then but I'm just saying it would have been so much easier to do it another well, way. Why would they have to do it easier? When why not have to cut their brake lines on their car or something? You know, not not sink a, a ship. Yeah, but you get a bunch of people in terms of what's easier versus what's more efficient for their end. Dude, end how is it more efficient to to mm-hmm. sit there and figure out how to sink a ship in the ocean? That's not efficient. Well, that takes a whole lot more over a hundred years later. Very few people know that they were on the ship and that they, they opposed the uh, Federal it's Reserve Act because it was a coincidence. Of course, everything is. Oh everything Lord, is. yeah, stop it! All right, <laughs> thanks, Super Don, for indulging me <laughs> in that. Anyway, what do y'all think? Anybody out there today listening, or is everybody uh, fully in, involved in the? Uh, oh, Marge! The Marge believes you. Thank you, Marge. Thank you. Marge. Yeah, you didn't hear from Marge yesterday I, at all. See, yeah, it took it took you talking about this crazy Titanic story yeah. to get Marge to come out and say something. By the way, uh, you believe by, that Marge? Really? You think that they sunk the Titanic to kill three people on it? By 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 the way, Bobby Kennedy just spoke today at the Porcupine Festival. The Pork oh, Festival. Kate Daly. Hold on, no, no, hold on. Go trying going to on? change the subject. Okay, go ahead. We're trying to say, change the subject. Apparently, Kate Daly, mm-hmm. which is Marge's second favorite uh, talk show host, mm-hmm. right, Marge? Thanks, Marge. Nod, nod, favorite, wink, right? wink. Um, yeah, she, apparently yeah. she talked about that topic as well. Okay. I, where have I been? I I, I didn't even well, know this was are, a thing. You are so <clears throat> sheltered, Super Don. You know that. You wouldn't know much if it weren't for us hanging out together. Things you don't even want to know. 
Well, it goes both ways. Yes, it does. <laughs> most of the, yeah, most of the things you, you don't want to know that you've learned from me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh my gosh, don't, yeah. do, don't Google dog squeeze. No, please don't. No. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I, I, I'm feeling better today. I'm not 100%. You know, as I said over the weekend, the the Father's Day weekend, I, you know, I was kind of had kind of a scratchy throat, a little bit of sinus stuff. I got through it fast and then it kind of lingered, a little bit of a cough, that kind of thing, and coming out of it. But my wife and my daughter, I don't know, my, my son seems to be doing fine. He had a little bit before he left, but he's at the pork fest and doing fine, he says. Uh, but it's like eyes burning. There's all kinds of stuff. And uh, the, the doc my wife went to, you know, for neuro, nervous system stuff. Uh, neuro, you know, the whole uh, um, trigeminal stuff uh, it said, yeah, there's some weird thing going on. The eyes are burning. It's as if somebody sprayed something from above. You know, it's like mm -hmm. weird how that plays itself out. I, I tend to go, you know me, my bias is toward toxicological exposures, not viruses per se, but uh, I know there's uh, uh, schools of thought there and there are arguments that may never be settled. But I'm feeling better today. And there was this other picture I sent you uh, on, I think it was on Monday. I went to work out with my daughter. It was like, like daddy daughter kickboxing work day workout bring day. your daughter to the gym day yes and so there you go. we had a good workout on monday had a good time see we're smiling and that's after the workout that's pretty good and uh it was just just fun to be able to do that and of course my daughter's like showing off her bicep not in this picture she took a different one i don't think i have that it was on her phone nah. but uh, it was fun because it's right. good to strengthen yourself and uh have your kids be fit as well there you go so I was going to talk about Bobby Kennedy speaking at the pork fest. Now the Democrat party of New Hampshire said, don't do it. These are a bunch of domestic terrorists. They hate the Democrats and on and on it goes because this is a primarily libertarian festival. Although everybody's welcome because it's Liberty, right? There are various forms of uh, libertarians that believe different things as well, but could they engage in the establishment of a week long endeavor in New Hampshire and really live up to the ideals of libertarianism. That is, we support everybody's freedom and their freedom ends where mine begins and, and vice versa. And so Bobby Kennedy responded to the Democrat Party there in, you know, in New Hampshire and said, look, um, you're for censorship. I'm for engaging and talking to people. And apparently it was very well received. My son called me afterwards from the pork fest and put me on the phone with a guy who was wearing a high wire t-shirt but he hadn't heard of the Robert Scott Bell show yet. So he's like, talk to him, dad. I'm like, okay, find it out. And I asked him, did you go see Bobby Kennedy? He said, yeah. I said, how was it received? It was very well received. He said, people loved him. And, uh, and then he proceeded to tell me I'm a registered Republican. He says, and I think what I'm going to do, and he's in from New Hampshire. He says, I'm going to re-register as a Democrat so that I can vote for Bobby Kennedy in the primary. Wow. Because no matter what happens, he wants to see Bobby Kennedy be the candidate. Uh, because he really liked him. So I think nice. that's interesting that the Dems say, don't don't talk to libertarians, don't well, talk to conservatives. Let's talk about this since you brought yeah. it up, because yeah. I I, it, I thought it was interesting. You had this article. I found this. This is, mm. uh, where is this from? This is from uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Inc. Yeah. Inklink.com. Yeah. Interesting. Newspaper okay. in New Hampshire. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's here. Apparently this guy, uh, Ray Buckley, he is the Democratic Party chairman for the New Hampshire uh, Democratic Party, and he mm -hmm. issued a statement about RFK Jr. attending the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Mm -hmm. And he says here, he says, uh, we've recently become aware of your schedule. This is to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. directly. Yeah. We've recently become aware of your scheduled appearance as a speaker at the annual Porcupine Freedom Festival 
or pork fest, which when I first heard that, I thought it was like a barbecue contest yeah, or something. It does sound like it. I know. Uh, he says pork fest is sponsored by the libertarian extremist organization. Right. I didn't know the libertarians had an extremist organization. Well, the fact that they're for liberty is an extreme position to the Democrats. In the, Sounds in like, the you know, like, like uh jihad or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, called the free state project. We respect your dedication to public service and your family's irreplaceable, blah, 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 whatever. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this is the part that got me here. The Free State Project is an organization that has been active for two decades. Its express goal is to encourage libertarians from across America to move to New Hampshire to seize control of government on the state and local level and impose a dystopian lifestyle on the people of the Granite State. Wait, the, you know what's funny about that? They are, are going to impose it. What, what, what about libertarianism imposes anything? True libertarianism is... <laughs> Freedom and volunteering into a life that you want to live, not imposing your beliefs on anybody else. Wow. So I'm like, all right, so let's check out the Free State Project website, right? Uh What are you guys about? So they say here, and let's see, does that show up there well? All right, let me put it on full screen. Mm -hmm. Not me. That's you, baby. This. Okay. Okay. The Free State Project is a mass migration of more than 20,000 people who have pledged to move to New Hampshire for liberty. I mean, aren't people like moving to Texas for liberty and they're moving to Florida for liberty? I mean, motivation by concentrating our numbers in a single state. We are maximizing our impact as activists, entrepreneurs, community builders, and thought leaders. Mm -hmm. Free staters are neighborly, productive folks, all walks of life, all ages, creeds, and colors who are on a mission to prove that more liberty leads to more prosperity for everyone. Boy, these sound like extremists to me, boy. Right. I'm telling you. And if you go um, if you go to the pork fest, you're gonna find people of as I said, all stripes, colors, religions, no religions. There's LGBT people there. There's I mean, again, it's the the putting to the test. You believe in freedom. You believe in live and let live. And again, you cannot violate others' rights in that circumstance. And that's the obscene, if you will, statement by the Democrat leader in New Hampshire saying it will impose impose there's nothing about imposing a way of life on people you have the freedom to live as you would live as long as you don't violate Uh, is it is it you know i mean what i don't know what do you not know it's just it's just uh partisan yeah blah 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 but But kudos to bobby kenny going like i'll I'll yeah absolutely and you know i want to get somebody from the free state project on the show yes and have them talk about this i'd love to hear from a, a libertarian extremist leader (laughs) <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> what, right. what exactly that means uh extreme liberty mm-hmm. that that sounds fun. that's a very funny way to put it but liberty is an extreme position if you yeah. believe in liberty but then a lot of democrats do at this point it's very sad <sighs> all right so let's go to uh the defender article on this appeal a p e e l food coding we haven't talked about this yet i've been seeing it pop up in news cycles here it's a coding over produce and according to this article by brenda belletti uh she said there's a it's a controversy because it's a gates funded synthetic fungicide and fruit coating sparking concerns over how chemicals are approved in organic products agribusiness watchdog organic eye this week demanded the u.s department of agriculture break big food stranglehold on the process for approving certified organic foods this is where we talk about the controversy of organic certification and why many farmers 
that want to be organic decided I'm not going to pay for certification because I would have to lower my standards to meet their definition of organic. So I do acknowledge that the organic standards have teeth. That is, there are uh, penalties associated with deceiving you based on the standards, but they're not the best standards. In fact, there are many local farmers, including you growing in your own front yard there, Superdome, or me in my backyard, that meet or exceed organic standards but are not certified. And so I don't want to limit you to that. But the fact is, it is a, a sad corruption of organic standards if they were to include a fungicide spray on organic food. It's like the antithesis of, of what organic is all about. And, uh, of course, if Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is involved in it, it's probably not something we're going to be in favor of. And, and that's just acknowledging our bias. But, yes, it's acknowledging their track record as to the reason why if, if Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is for it, we're probably going to have to align against it. Not because we're reactionary, but because we know their agenda and it hasn't changed much in many, many years. Yeah, this uh, this appeal. I started seeing some stuff come up about this a couple months ago when it mm-hmm. first first came out. And so people are not excited about the idea that it's got this this film on it basically the here's the way it were the way i understand it you get an avocado i love avocados i buy them all the time mm-hmm. i'll just cut an avocado in half and eat half and I'd share it with my wife right right um those avocados they last maybe you know when i get them they're still like like you know hard as a, a baseball yeah, you can let them out so and, about and, three and, days yeah. later they're yeah, perfect right. yeah uh, and then you you've got a window and they can last a little bit longer in the fridge, yeah. but yeah, they're not going to last forever. Now with this appeal, yeah, appeal, mm-hmm. um, they put this over the thing and it's supposed to make it last like two weeks or something before yeah. it goes bad. And so people were like, you know, so what exactly is in this? You know, I mean, what is this made of? And the company itself, you know, says that it's all natural and it's Omri, certainly don't whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's it's synthetic, right? It's in, a synthetic thing. And so there are people that are looking at that and they're going, wait a minute, I'm buying organic because I don't want anything on it, right? Yeah, yeah they're um, not listing some of these other uh, sub-based ingredients uh, in this. So you don't actually know what the heck is it. Right. Is. And you know what this reminds me of was that, and I've, I'll never forget it, was when we did that interview with Mike Adams years ago and we were talking about organic food. And he was just like, yeah, you know, the thing is, because it says it's organic, that doesn't mean that it's safe. Because it could be contaminated with heavy metals, and you could have lead and 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 mercury and, and yeah. stuff like that, and that, and it would still technically be considered organic because the organic label doesn't cover those types of things, right? Um, and so here you've got this now, this this other thing now, this appeal that they're putting on there, and people are like, no, you know, I don't want that on my organic produce. Yeah, exactly. It goes against the whole basis of why you would choose to pay more for organic food, even though you're getting more value in terms of nutritional content, et cetera. Um, Now the U.S. has approved, uh, apparently, uh, the first lab-grown meat, chicken now from animal cells, not necessarily from chicken. What is this? Uh, They take in animal stem cells and and culturing them in a lab. But it is. California. Two California companies are now growing lab-grown meat. And they want to serve it to you at the restaurants or getting on the supermarket shelves. And let's see, it's up Upside Foods and Good Meat. And they've been racing to be the first to sell meat that doesn't come from slaughtered animals. So Sell cultivated or cultured, cultured meat. meat. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the question is, you know, in, in producing these things, what aberrant proteins are they producing? Uh, how devoid of 
other things that you would want to get from meat in terms of whether amino acid content or other trace elements, minerals, what's there, what's not there. Uh, these are things I don't know that they're necessarily answering all in the name of we want to save animals from being slaughtered. I don't think that's the reason. I think it's the reason is they want to put these other businesses that have been around for centuries or for time immemorial since we've been cultivating animals uh, for food, uh, and they want to put them out of business so they can profit off of patented technologies and then eliminate any competition. Because in a free market for quote-unquote meat, you would have to compete on the basis of price for sure, but also on the basis of a quality of your product. Right. Can they not compete uh, on the basis of taste, et cetera, without having to make things artificial and synthetic and maybe even toxic? But it's all about, <clears throat> A, uh, uh, not slaughtering animals, and B, I'm sure there's got to be some sort of climate change of course. agenda yeah. that's in this yeah. as well. So it goes a little bit into the, uh, tell me how appetizing this sounds. Uh, cultivated meat is grown in steel tanks using cells that come from a living animal, a fertilized egg, or a special bank of stored cells in uh, one of the companies, the Upside Company. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes out in large sheets, which is like what we remember years ago, uh, the Schmeet. You know, yeah. It was large sheets that is then formed into shapes like chicken uh, nuggets and chicken cutlets and sausages, etc. Um, the, the thing is, is that... It has been approved, but, and I, I suspected this and I just confirmed it. It's not like tomorrow you can run to Safeway yeah. and buy some, whatever they call it, good meat. They call yeah. it good meat uh, because it's way expensive. There's no way people could afford that right now. You know, well, that's the point though, if they make it, uh, let's say, impossible to buy meat products that they've been used to buying for years at levels that are considered affordable by putting those companies out of business based on a faulty global nonsense, global warming claim, you're going to bankrupt the people who need to eat protein, for instance, make it impossible. And then you're going to have them what eat bugs. And this company will only be able to sell stuff to the Uber wealthy that are left over. Yeah. I mean, at this point it, it would have to be, there's no way they can compete, you know, with, with, with mm -hmm. chicken, you know, that comes from but farms. Have, have you seen any efforts by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and other globalist organizations to wipe out farming? Buying up farmland, right? Yep. And also eliminating uh, cattle production. For Didn't instance? they say, I saw something that said that Bill Gates is like, uh, either is or is close to being like the biggest farmland owner in America? Yep. all of America. Yeah. But remember, there are other countries in Europe, like the Netherlands, who are trying to wipe out production of uh, cattle, cows. So it would be an artificial economy that it creates and says, all right, we'll let you have the meat, but it's going to have to come through this company and this company yeah. that has patented the technology to produce these things. Apparently what they're doing is they're going to start serving this in, in exclusive restaurants first. Yeah. They've, they've partnered with some upscale restaurants in like San Francisco and Washington, D.C. to start introducing this. Here's my prediction. <clears throat> Remember what happened when they tried to do this with Beyond Meat? And Impossible Burgers? Impossible Meat. Yeah. Uh, it taint. People yeah. don't want that. They just want to eat their food. No, but they want to, the, the others want to force us to say there are no other options. So then you're going to take it. Well, or, that's another, yeah, that's another story. But if they're planning to bring this out in restaurants in San Francisco, it may be too late as well. Who's going to go to a restaurant in San Francisco when you have to step over? Uh, pretty much every, yeah, all the businesses are trying to leave San Francisco yeah, exactly. right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. 
All right. Here's an old story made new again. Uh, this is at archive.is. It's a med page. Oh, I see. It's a med page article. You I use my little trick. Yeah, yes. yeah to get past the, the, the whatever you call it. Yeah. Screen for depression, anxiety in most adults. The USPSTF says, what is the, it's the United States Preventive Services Task Force. Yes. Now, I remember covering a story like this so many years ago on this show. Mm-hmm. Back when Ron Paul was active and running and he was in Congress and all, and he talked about uh, the Texas Algorithm Project, if I remember correctly, where they were wanting to screen all children for depression. And and I said, this is a dragnet to get them on psychiatric meds. And Ron Paul agreed with me. I agreed with him. Uh, and, and it's never stopped being a desire of the uh, pharmaceutical industry to get everybody wrapped up into a, a psychiatric uh, diagnosis that would require, at one point in time, the use of psychiatric medications. So according to this U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, and this goes to the heart of Reagan and what um, Jonathan Ebor just said, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you, right? This is being foisted upon us by a government agency, unconstitutional as it is. And there was a recommended statement in the Journal for the American Medical Association, by the way, AMA was founded with the express intent and purposes three years after the American Institute of Homeopathy was founded in 1844. In 1847, AMA came about, and we got to wipe these people out because they're competing with us. We don't want competition. And that's the journal for the AMA. Says that uh, all adults, including those who are pregnant, postpartum, and 65 and older should be screened for major depression. That's everybody. That's everybody, basically. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not start slow. Let's just everybody should be screened. Screen everybody. Postpartum, of course, is also uh, postpartum depression can be real. I don't dispute that, it's but it's very not real. Evidence, it's not no. evidence of a psychiatric drug disorder or disinficiency. No. Uh, it's a drop no. in key minerals, and uh, you know, obviously, hormonal endocrine shifts post postpartum. But to dr- to treat it with psychiatric drugs uh, as a first resort, uh, you know, I'm not calling for the banning of them, but certainly, if they had to compete with all the other methods of dealing with depression. They would be used in a fraction of a percentage of the time they would be used, and we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have with psychiatric medication. Anything else here jump out at you, Super D? Of the well, I'm just I'm 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 going here. So they they said we're gonna we're gonna uh, screen everybody for depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they say here that the task force did not recommend screening for suicide risk in these groups, which is everybody. Yeah, due to insufficient evidence in assessing the balance of harms and benefits of screening. Yeah, it's weird. If you're like, we're not screening for suicide because it might harm them if we found out they're suicidal. What? Yeah, I don't know. In a separate recommendation statement, they had a second recommendation here. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave a grade B recommendation, which I guess is what, like A, B, C, D or something. I don't know. Uh, to screening adults up to the age of 64 for anxiety. Mm-hmm. including those who are pregnant or postpartum, it did not recommend screening adults 65 and older for anxiety due to insufficient evidence on the balance of its harms and benefits. There's that thing again. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll screen you for depression because we don't see the harm in that, mm-hmm. but we're not going to screen you for anxiety because that might cause some harm. <laughs> what? Yeah. What is the real motivation here? The final recommendations are consistent with the recommendations on suicide risk, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. So ultimately, we're going to screen. We want to screen everybody either for depression or anxiety. Uh, to what end? 
but not anxiety and not suicide. But well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. We don't want to. We don't want to give those old people so anxiety counter, by screening let, them for anxiety. Let's counter program real quick with a natural news article by Olivia Cook. Eight tips to help you manage anxiety naturally, plus herbal tea <laughs> recipes for anxiety relief. Exactly. You like herbal How tea? You? you drink I, herbal tea? I drink tea all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I know you do during the day, but I'm that's a, that's. I guess is that considered herbal tea? What you drink? I guess you could define it. A mate? What is it? I mean, these mate. are leaves. Okay. Uh, I've mate. tried herbal tea. Uh-huh. I mean, it's okay. And you've not... tried herbal tea. I mean, it, it doesn't mean much because there's a zillion different <laughs> things, right? You well, that's true. Like, that's you can have true. peppermint tea and go, ooh, I love that. Or you can have chamomile and go, ooh, I don't like chamomile. Yeah. They're both herbal, right? I was kind of a fan of green tea because I heard all kinds of good things about it until somebody rained on my parade and told me about how it has fluoride in it. Oh, yeah, naturally occurring fluoride. Yeah. yeah. So there are other forms of tea that you could drink that doesn't have that. Doesn't have that. Uh, let's see. There's some recipes in this. Uh, peppermint, chamomile, I mentioned two of those things. Ginger, lemon together. Uh, everybody's got good tea recipes, I think. I mix. I just kind of add on during the day and just throw <clears> more <throat> stuff. My wife looks at me and goes, you're putting what with what? I'm like, I don't care. I'm just, I, like, I like the uh, herbal effects. So anyway, you want identify to your triggers. It says here your triggers, yeah, triggers that cause you, cause anxiety. What triggers you? What triggers me? Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety. You know, it's funny. I had an experience just uh, just uh, earlier today before the show started. What? What happened? I was talking with my son about this. Uh, you know, the submarine thing. Yes. And I was just like, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to go through that. And he was telling me that he had seen this story about this guy that was a cave, they call them cave divers. Uh-huh. Uh, and that they would, you know, there was a story about this guy that had climbed into a cave and he'd gotten like into this part. He had to go through this, like this area where he had just enough space that he could wiggle his way through trying to get into another cavern. And then he got stuck there and stuff. And just that idea, it's like a claustrophobia thing, which yeah. I, I never used to have, but I, it kind of got worse for me. as I got anxiety in you just thinking about it? Dude, I was physically affected by it as we were having the conversation where it was wow. like I was just imagining what that would be like being in a confined space mm-hmm. where you could barely move and then, you know, like getting stuck, you know. Yeah, I'd probably die of a heart attack before anything else killed me in a situation like that. But I would not induced, purposely. Yeah. There are people that purposely do that. And we were just like, why? There's like a hundred different things you could do to have fun mm. instead of that, that kind of stuff. So that's, yeah, that caused me some for some anxiety. Now I didn't drink any herbal tea. Uh, I just got over it, you know, cause okay. that's what you do, but yeah, I hope so. It, what causes you anxiety? Uh, let's see. Anxiety for me, not getting enough exercise. <laughs> like, cause, cause to me, that's a dissipation of anxiety. Cause it's a, you know, a normal part of life. You can be anxious about things or, um, I, I don't know so much depression. I, I, I think angry and frustration. I've talked about that. The anger, frustration, and uh, depression, how that, you know, kind of links up like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we talk about a guy like Adam Schiff, right? We did an hour one. That's the guy's name, right? Adam Schiff, was it? Adam Schiff, yes. That's his name. The and guy he, that usually when you see him, his eyes are Yeah, like, I mean, it's like a guy like that, you know, is a pathological liar. He deceives. He's intending to, you know, he's intending to upset you. And I don't want to be upset by it. He's a pompous Right, people yeah. like that, and like, okay, I can tell, I can tell that, ooh, I can feel a visceral response, 
I'm human. I do. I'm like, oh, that guy. I do not like. He gives you anxiety, that. though. Would you? Would you put that on the level of anxiety? Come on. I don't know. I. It's just what. That's, that's just annoyance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's because I'm not really anxious about a lot most of the time. So I'm like trying to find something that would trigger me into all a, that CBD a, that you take, take, right? Yeah, of course. I got. See right here. I got. See, it's right there. Frontier CBD. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, hmm. I, I just think about your experience and I'm wondering if you were on the Titanic and you got trapped underneath when it went down and that's a past life memory for you. Yeah. I, I was actually one of the three wealthy billionaires that was on the uh, I Titanic. Knew I, I, I knew it. I knew you were playing I'm secretly here bit. to exact my revenge on thing far too much. That's right. So, how about maybe, when your internet goes down? That gives you anxiety. That would do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah Cause you're like, right. oh, how am I going to do a show? Right. There you Thankfully go. that doesn't happen a whole lot. I'm glad when you're on the road. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I want to do another health story here. We meant to get to yesterday. Okay. I don't think it's in the notes today from yesterday. It says connecting the inflammatory dots, obesity, depression, and Alzheimer's linked by neuroinflammation. Okay. That uh, not, not a lot of controversy in that headline on um, this newsmedical.net place. Right. So it was published in the American journal of geriatric psychiatry. Neuroinflammation. I, again, I'm not finding any controversy in the baseline here when they talk about Alzheimer's disease, obesity, depression uh, being very prevalent, uh, impacting so many. But then they're talking uh, into the mechanisms of neuroinflammation and chronic inflammation may also contribute to immune dysregulation like gut dysbiosis. Interesting. Now we're getting to gut brain scenarios. Metabolic changes when you change the microbiome. Uh, and it can go into amyloid pathology, which they say amyloid plaques are associated with a lot of these things. Like I like the term neuroinflammation. You do. Okay. What what is neuroinflammation? Well, I think it's pretty straightforward. This ner the nerve cell inflamed, basically. So it's neuroinflammation. Of course, the preponderance of nerves are in the brain, all concentrated, but that could be anywhere in the body because the nerve cells are also everywhere. And but is that is that Alzheimer's neuroinflammation? Well, yes, it's one of the end results of neuroinflammation is what they're arguing here. And it says it's driven by different things, various mechanisms. They talk to I talk about pro-inflammatory cytokines like interleukin six, IL six, tumor necrosis factor alpha, TNF alpha. Which, by the way, interestingly enough, uh, silver is known to reduce TNF alpha. You know, in in injury recovery, that's why it's a great regenerator of neural tissue as well. What are you holding on? To? You got silver, right? You're so happy with this. It's so tiny, though. We need, like, a blow-up pictures of those things when you show them. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'll take okay. a picture. Now, here's where I take issue. This is what gets me. You want to talk about anxiety, getting upset? Uh, one of the paragraphs says, Diets high in fats have also been linked to activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system and gut microbiome dysbiosis. Yet, What kind they, of fat, though? They never say it. Yeah. High fat diets, lower calcium. Again, they'd never talk about the quality of the fat because the average American that is perhaps on a high fat diet is likely going to be on fats that are coming from animals that are raised pharmaceutically, factory farms, chemical processes. And so within those fats are going to be neuroinflammatory components. And the reason why it upsets me when they say high-fat diets are creating neuroinflammation is because it's the opposite. When you're on good, healthy fats, 
organic quality fats, even, yes, saturated fats, which are critically important for brain and neurological health. Which ones are the bad ones? Polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs that are pro-inflammatory, that are, of course, broken down. It's, It's one thing when you eat them in their raw state. But when you heat them and cook them, you alter them, you denature them, you, you create an inflammatory form of a fat that's not a fat, trans fats, for instance, or if you hydrogenate these oils. So the idea of high-fat diet being the cause of this is upsetting to me because they're not differentiating at all. It is in, in the thing, we abandoned fat in our diet in the 20th century and replaced it with sugar, which is neuroinflammatory. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, where, where's the discussion of sugar? Did I miss that in this article? It's all about high fat. The thing that in, in the appropriate way, healthy high fat will be very essential to recovering and reducing inflammation. Now, that doesn't mean I'm ignoring uh, minerals like selenium, copper, and, and you know silica. All these things are so critical for neurological and brain health. But uh, again, I have the first half going, okay, they're onto something here. Second half, they fall apart and they don't differentiate in a, in a responsible manner so that you can get guidance to have the right kind of food. You know, when we talked, uh, who was on the other day? Uh, is his name Meese? Yeah, I meet so many people on this show. And we talked about the uh, carnivore bar, right? Yes. Talk about the rendered fat and and all of the, uh, the ways that they addressed in the tallow, things like that. You, they used to... We didn't mention that. They used to fry organic, well, say organic, but equivalent back in the 50s or something, and McDonald's was doing its thing. The food was much better quality, and I think they fried their French fries for a long time in tallow, beef tallow. Philip Meese. Philip Meese, yes, I did remember that. So, again, if you guys haven't touched base with uh, Philip and the family to get those carnivore bars, great food storage items, great sustenance because it's the kind of food that you can live on a small amount goes a long way calorie dense and nutrient dense as well and the fat that we need to survive on that we've replaced with sugar because we have been told to fear fat inappropriately fear it so there's an article i wanted to bring up thank you for indulging me from yesterday Mm -hmm. great article from our friend uh dr james Lyonsweiler, dr jack on robert f kennedy testing the appetite of democrats for science logic, and reason. Subheadline here, while a dwindling MSM, mainstream media, pulls out uh, uh, out the tired, failed tropes of anti-vaccine nut job, they will soon learn their old tactics of misinformation and unfounded ad hominem attacks will cost them further. Mm. I'd like to think that's true. And, you know, Jack and many of the people that are in this fight for health freedom that have now become either anti-vaccine or if you want to say it vaccine risk aware we're often coming from a background of uh, democrat families that were on the left politically and that they realized the democrats had abandoned them because they didn't support them didn't acknowledge the injuries that their families or children were occurring and then they fought hard like in new york and uh, california and washington and oregon to eliminate if they could exemptions to vaccination because they were all in on the on the religion and cult of vaccinology and not concerned or compassionate at all about people who were harmed and so many of those people ended up finding a home in the republican party and even supported donald trump 
much to the aghast, uh, uh, aghast, they were aghast, if you will, the Democrats of anybody that would support Trump. I mean, how dare you? But look at what Trump said. What did he talk about? Things that brought the blue collar Democrats on over, right? The, the blue dog Democrats, a lot of them. Uh, and here you have Bobby Kennedy acknowledging these things. And he wrote a whole book letter to liberals about this abandonment of critical thinking and established science or science that is truly legitimate as opposed to science as a slogan, safe and effective. And even Dr. Jack, I think, is a recovering Democrat, so to speak. They tend to lean politically more there over the years, but found they couldn't because the Dems had abandoned common sense and abandoned science. So those of you who are into science, check out ipac-edu.org. And when you sign up for any of the classes with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, you can get a discount. I think we have that up. Is it a banner yet? RSB or RSB 10? James Lyons-Weiler put that up. We, we put it up the other day. It's an ongoing discount for Robert Scott Bell Show listeners. Yeah, I'll check on that. <clears throat> so uh, I want to support IPAC because it's, it's, and it's apolitical. It really isn't political. But what he's saying is, hey, Democrats, you're, you've lost it if you don't support Bobby Kennedy. And, you know, for the very reasons you're accusing him of being anti-science, he's actually in, in, engaged in uh, discovery of the scientific literature to find out what it really says versus what they want you to believe it says. So another great Substack article from Popular Rationalism, our friend Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Finally, uh, Lady Gaga is getting some blowback. And I, I didn't know that her fans were aware of this, but they're probably uh, uh, also waking up in the COVID crazy years we've been to and going, hey, you can't just align yourself with the big pharma. That's not good. And the headline reads, fans rage at Lady Gaga over Pfizer migraine drug par partnership. You are an embarrassing sellout, people are saying. Whoops. I didn't expect that from fans of Lady Gaga. I didn't either because I've seen I've seen other celebrities that are are doing uh you know drug All in on drug stuff. alignment, yeah. But apparently uh Lady Gaga's fans aren't uh, down with the idea of her uh being a, a spokesperson for this migraine uh, drug called Nurtec. Now apparently from what I understand, she suffered migraines and so that's said. the reason why they oh. got together and said, Hey, uh, why don't you do this? And it, look at the, the tweet below it from, it says Lady Gaga lost over 300,000 followers since her Nurtec ad. So there's really <laughs> a, an interesting blowback when you align with big pharma now that, that I hadn't expected uh, even today. Well, dude, I love these. Like you see this one here, me before Nurtec. Me after Nurtec. Wow. <laughs> Me after taking the Lady Gaga Nurtec migraine pills. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so people are having some fun with that. I, I think, Super Don, what you should be doing is is a commercial for Cardio Miracle. For Cardio Miracle. Me before Cardio Miracle, me after Cardio Miracle, and no more migraines. Yeah. How all, about my, all my fans will be. I don't think you would lose any fans to doing that. I don't that think I have that. any fans. What are you saying? You have to have them to lose them. You've got fans. People love me, <laughs> Don. All right, we're we way overdue on our break here. We are? Okay, well, let's take a break. Come back with bonus round after this on the Robert Scott Bell Show, where the power to heal is yours. Got an agenda for bonus round? I don't. No. Knock up on me. No, I don't. <clears throat> it's been kind of a semi-quiet day in the chat rooms today, but 
we've gotten used to that because it's Thursday, uh, high wire day. Yeah. I wonder who he had on. I don't know. I wonder too. But I think it was a good show today. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan brought it, and we got to talk historical perspectives on Independence Day. Even in advance of that, he wrote a great article on you know the precious gift of liberty. Hope y'all read that. Uh, everything's linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. Tomorrow, we're planning to start the show an hour early and do the full two-hour show, even a little bit of bonus round because I'll be I'll have enough time then. Uh, and we've asked our guests to to be able to flex with us, and we may or may not get them. I think we will, but even he Michael says Bull he's feeling pretty good today, pretty good. so we'll see. We, yeah, even if we can get a little bit of time with Michael, we don't want to miss that. No. And then I got to head to the airport. Um, the event in Loveland, Colorado is Saturday, the 24th of June. For those of you who are going to be there, Peter McCullough will be there. Uh, Mickey Willis will be there. And I, I've uh, arranged with my friends at Natural Immunogenics. They're going to send a lot of silver and copper. So we'll have uh, open bar all day. Silver and copper shots, not the injectable variety. And we'll have a lot of fun. Okay. So that's the plan anyway. So I hope to see you in Colorado this weekend. I know there are many other events. I want to be at all of them, but I got to figure out how I can be at one. So that's what we're going to do. All right. And there's plenty of other events coming up. So how about a, uh, a Georgia story? Now that, that, that you, that's where you, uh, you lived in Georgia for a period of time, huh? 30 years, 30 years. Yeah. Um, did you play baseball when you were, uh, just pickup games. I was never officially in a league. Never or anything. played it on in a like. I always guess. wanted to. That was one of those regrets from childhood. Like I love baseball, but I never officially played it. It was just <clears throat> sort of pickup stuff. But all right, yeah. Uh, where's Macon, Georgia? Oh, Macon. That's the home of. Uh, isn't it Little Richard was from Macon? Maybe. Is that my memory yeah. of it. I don't know. But yeah, Macon is about an hour and twenty minutes south of uh, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, heading down seventy five. They got a four seventy five bypass or whatever. It's a sleepy southern town and uh it's probably not so sleepy as it was years ago um, not only do they have that that overpass but they have a collegiate baseball team mm -hmm. and the name of the team is the macon bacon <laughs> i like that that's appropriate a lot now, of apparently bacon apparently the, the macon bacon got into some trouble here recently why uh, there is a call to change the name because apparently the macon bacon yeah. Glorify bacon. Well, you could say that about any uh, nickname, right? For a sports team, it glorifies the nickname. But why well, is that? A, why the, problem, is that? the problem here specifically is with bacon. So here's here's the story. Is it discriminatory against Muslims and Jews? What uh, is that? Well, you, do you eat bacon? Do you like bacon? I know there's a lot of people just don't, don't eat pork because they say it's bad for you. Right. Yeah, it's definitely not kosher. I'm not saying right. I've never had it. It's not my staple. Um, but we have, uh, there's a, a, a form of bacon we found out, Laban introduced us, Laban and Anna, when they were here at the butcher, a, a beef bacon. Which is um, Yeah, good. beef yeah. bacon's good. A turkey bacon's pretty good, too. I don't think turkey bacon's good. Okay, whatever. I think that's nasty. Um, so <laughs> there, there's this physician's group in Georgia. Okay. They, they put up a billboard targeting the fans of the Macon Bacon, a collegiate summer league baseball team, and wrote a letter to the team's president, the Physicians Committee of Responsible Medicines Billboard asked fans to keep bacon off of your plate. The group also sent a letter to team president Brandon Raphael mm -hmm. accusing the organization of glorifying the meat. <laughs> Here's what they say. Bacon Bacon's glorification of bacon, 
a processed meat that raises the risk of colorectal cancer and other diseases, sends the wrong message to fans. Uh, the letter from Nutrition Education Program Manager Anna Herbie to Raphael uh, read, I urge you to t- update the team's name to Macon Fakin Bacon and promote plant-based bacon alternatives such as Fakin Bacon or Mushroom Bacon. Okay. Uh, yuck. Are those that will help your fans with- stay healthy. As for Kevin, Macon Bacon's... Oh, now that's cool. Make it, apparently, Macon Bacon's mascot is named Kevin. Kevin <laughs> Bacon. I like that. That's cute. Uh, yeah. They say, as for Kevin, Macon Bacon's mascot, he can reveal that he is actually plant-based bacon. Uh, I think the Physicians Committee for uh, of Responsible Medicine needs to get a life. Well, they're not going to be happy until they rename the Macon team the Macon Statin Drugs, you know, which, of course, will destroy their liver. No, this is a real story. Um, mushroom bacon? I don't know. As long as I mean, what if it's organic? And see, not now GMO, we're getting I mean, into that area where I used to have not so much anymore. Right? I, you know, I really, I really gave cauliflower rice a, a, a bad time for a while until I tried it. Triggered you, I know. Yeah. And actually, it's not too bad. <clears throat> but mushroom bacon? No, that's not bacon. Mm. It's mushrooms made to look like it's. It's kind of like that fake chicken crap that we were talking about. <laughs> In, uh, you know, uh, in during this and, and calling it, ch- you know, uh, chicken nuggets, not mm-hmm. um, mushroom bacon. I don't know. Has anybody tried mushroom bacon? I don't recall. I could be, I might, this, I might be. I tried uh, mushroom pizza. Does that count? Uh, an entire pizza made out of mushrooms? No, mushrooms no. On pizza. Mushrooms on pizza, that's different. They're not saying put it. some mushrooms on the bacon. Oh. They're saying make the bacon out of mushrooms. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's mushroom top bacon. I've yeah. never heard of mushroom bacon. But. Okay. Why not? Why, why not just Did have turkey in bacon? Anybody audience or, tried any of this stuff? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, Macon bacon. There <laughs> you go. Am I remembering correctly that was Little Richard that was from Macon? Anybody remember that historically? Could be. I was just reading a story about him um, the other day, and I was reminded. I was. I saw an interview, and it was when he came out. I think it was on on David Letterman, mm-hmm. and he did the the "I'm not gay anymore" type. You know the thing. Okay. Um, did you know that? That I mean, he was. He had a very flamboyant, you know, yeah. life and stuff. And then, and at one point, he, uh, he he said he wasn't anymore. Found religion, and okay. um, yeah, and became a preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Little Richard. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. You're usually right on this stuff anyway. Sometimes I have vague memories that come Little back. Little Richard Macon. Little Richard House. Uh, in I'm assuming in Macon. Let's see. Born Richard Wayne Penniman on December 5th, 1932 in Macon, Georgia. There you go. Can you imagine growing up black and gay in Macon, Georgia and becoming like one of the most famous musical stars of the 20th century changing music in a lot of ways. It's like, that's a wild. He was rock and roll before there was rock and roll. Yeah. 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 He was there first almost. So um, what an amazing soul that uh, uh, traversed this planet uh, from Macon, Georgia of all places, the things that he saw and had to overcome. Imagine that died of bone cancer. Wow. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Wow. 
All right. Any other uh, comments, questions on Rumble? How are things going on Rumble today? I haven't heard anything. Marge dominated. She wins. She wins Rumble today. Mar- Marge wins Rumble. Yes. She's dominate, dominated. She's going to yes. go into WWE. She's supposed to be sending me a link to the Kate Daly episode talking about the, uh, the, Titanic? the Titanic conspiracy. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So how come Kate hasn't had me on her show? I'll, I'll have Kate on my show. I don't mind. Uh, Marge isn't trying hard enough. She's not trying hard No. <laughs> don't give her a complex. <laughs> don't do that. Maybe Kate Daly doesn't like you. I don't know. It's possible. I don't know why. What have I said? What have I done? Anyway, I think I'm a likable guy. Well, we'll see. All right. So tomorrow we've got a uh, uh, guest from Trinity mm-hmm. School of Natural Health. An hour one, and I don't again, think it'll be an hour one because remember, or is it an hour two? Okay, everything's an hour two. She right. would be if it works. The top of hour two, which is normally hour one. I know it's weird. I'm confused. You're, I know you're. She'll be confused. on tomorrow. Let's just yeah, say that. Say. And, but, then, and then uh, Michael Bolden would would be Michael Bolden might tomorrow. be on after her. Right? Or no, before so, her. No, after her. At the same time. How are you on somebody I after at the same time? Same hour. Maybe he'll be on tomorrow. So our first hour is wide open. Let's just say that. Okay. Our second hour, which is normally our first hour, is going to be chock full if it all works well with a guest from Trinity and then Michael Bolden. All right. Yeah. No, I know your head's going to be exploding trying to figure this out. No, it's fine. I just got to, I'll just have to throw everything together early, but. Okay. Shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. (laughs) Good. Yeah. All right. We both have to remember to start the show an hour early. Yeah, no worries. Y'all join us, and then you—I guess you can replay it after. If people want to wonder if they show up for the second hour, it's like, where's the show? It's like I gotta go. Do well, that's their fault because they weren't watching today. They weren't paying attention. This is Pay what attention. happens. When's the next newsletter going out? Are you have any time? You've been busy this week since you got back. Yeah, I didn't didn't send one this week. I'll try tomorrow. We'll, okay. we'll see. We shall see. That's all I can say. That's all you can say. All right. That's you said enough. You said enough. All right. Well, appreciate you. And uh, thank you for the three people that watched today live. Happy summer starting in the Northern Hemisphere. Happy winter for those in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, get out there and enjoy the garden. Hopefully you are. And we need to get some more pictures and stuff done soon as well. I need to do another video out there. Things are going well. All right. Sounds good. So early again tomorrow, guys. So make sure you tune in an hour early tomorrow for the beginning of the show. Otherwise, you can catch it uh, after the fact. Mm-hmm. And you have yourself wonder. It's uh, like 75 degrees outside. So I think I might go take a look at the tomatoes as well. Yes. Go take your shirt off. Don't get it like messed up because it's a nice shirt and get some vitamin D from the sun. That means you have to take your undershirt off too so you get the vitamin D. Riley's last T-ball game is tonight. That's where I'm going to be going. Oh, dude. Yeah. Well, Hit, hit a home run. Just yes. They all hit home runs they at do, this I age. <laughs> hey, thank all you right. all for being here, and we'll look forward to seeing you, those who would like to join us tomorrow, live or later. And that is at robertscottbell.com slash listen, and uh, see you all then. All right. Have a good day.